0: Well, good morning, everybody. How's it going today? Doing okay? You ready for something this afternoon called the Super Bowl? I know we're gearing up for that. I read some statistics about it. I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, about how, well, first of all, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, this weekend, there will be more cons- food consumed than any other time in American tradition except Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? More food consumed. In fact, I was reading about this. It's 69. 69- million pounds of avocados will be purchased this weekend (laughs) to make somewhere around 8 million pounds of guacamole. Oh yeah, so we got that guacamole going, that's a good thing. You think about all the chips that are consumed to do that, and it was talking about how much exercise it would take uh, in order to work all this off <laughs> that we do this weekend. Somewhere around 7 million Americans have already said they're, they're skipping work tomorrow, period. They're not even going to go. They already announced it in advance. And, uh, you know, probably that's East Coast people will be up late. Not because they did anything the night before they're going to regret, I'm sure. Uh, but that kind of thing. So all kinds of hype this weekend around this event where the world really, literally, <clears throat> I'll say this will be the most watched Super Bowl ever, will be gathered around either a stadium or tubes watching a game. All this energy about that. What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about another kind of gathering that I think is way more important than the Super Bowl, and that is what you're doing right here. I just want to commend you today for being here. It's just an (laughs) awesome thing that you're here, that you understand that right up front. And we're going to talk today about what happens... When we gather together, so go ahead and pull your message notes out of your program. You can write along, take some notes today. Have your Bible; you can turn to Hebrews chapter ten. That's where we're going to be camping out today. Uh, If you're looking at it, it's in the back of your New Testament. If you get past the Revelation, just go back a little bit. You'll find Hebrews chapter ten, and it'll be there. But right at the top, there's a verse that says Psalm 133.1, and the psalmist is writing and says this: How wonderful! pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. We know that to be true. It's real pleasant that. Now, in the Old Testament and New Testament, a lot of references is made to brothers and sisters, and the reason that it's used, that term, those terms are used, is because the writers want us to know that when we're talking about coming together, especially as followers of Christ in the New Testament, we're talking about family. So I'm engaged with a family. So it's a real family kind of atmosphere, and especially when we become part of a family of Christ that he wants us to relate together as family. Now, you know what? In every family, you're going to have people that you get along with, right? You have people that you, you know, like in your family, and you're going to have other family members that you don't get along with sometimes that rub you kind of the wrong way. Some of you are nodding your head. You understand that. Uh, You're part of that kind of family. And I just want you to know that we're that kind of family, okay? This is a family of imperfect people. And so I just want to invite you to join us and be part of that. And uh, that means that sometimes we may rub each other the wrong way, but we're learning how to live together in harmony. That's what we're trying to do as we listen to God's Word. So that's the whole idea of what we're looking at today, is that we can learn to live together in harmony. Now here's the deal. As this rhythm series is designed, this next few weeks we're changing gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the rhythm of our church And what we're asking the people who are part of this body, this is the way we do it, to engage with us in these rhythms. We're going to look at five rhythms over the next few weeks that we can gather, that we can uh, come around and we can follow these rhythms. They're going to help us to move closer to God. Now, the whole idea of this, we started, you know, dreaming about what would happen at our 20th anniversary on March 4th. And what are we going to do in the next decade of existence here in western Nevada County? saying, okay, we've been living this way. We've been following this mission, this vision for 20 years now. Let's ask God if there's something new He might want us to do. do. Is there an expression of our ministry that He wants us to do differently? And so we've worked up our mission and, and then our strategy with some new language. And here it is on your program. It says this. Our mission is, is that we are leading people to know and follow Jesus. So we help people know Jesus, help people Follow Jesus. We're doing that together so that we're formed into the image of Jesus. That's the whole idea, the goal of what we're doing as a church family. <coughs> also, though, we said we wanted to restate or refresh the five purposes that we've you know, adhered to for 20 years now. and Those are worship, connect, grow serve and reach and said let's just see is a fresh way we can say those it actually has more energy and are more action words and so you can see there this is the way we're going to say it for the next few years especially first of all we glorify that's the key word glorify god as we gather together grow our faith give of ourselves and go share jesus with our world and so that's what we're saying that we're going to do and for the next several services uh, we're going to look at these one by one. Today is gather until we come back on February 28th, and we're going to have a rare evening service on February 28th. We don't typically do this, but what we wanted to do is we want to take the word glorify. We want to move it, and we want to save it to the very end, and what we want to do is we're going to come back on February 28th, and we're going to have all of us together, as so many of us can fit into this room, and wherever else we can pack people in on that night, and we're going to talk about glorify. But what we're going to do is we're just going to have a worship experience that night where we just give ourselves fully to Him, and we talk about what does it look to glorify. Now, when we talk about worship, a lot of times we say it's our life, and that's really true. We give Him our life. But there are times when God says, I want you to set aside time. I want you to set aside this occasion where you just give it all to me. Just give it all to me. And that's what we're going to do on February 28th as we come together on that evening. And by the way, February 28th, uh, 26th, is the end of our 28 days of fasting. Now, some of you are saying, oh, we're doing 28 days of fasting. And yes, we talked about that last Sunday. Pastor Mark did a wonderful job of talking about fasting and what it means. And then some of you are going, I'm glad I missed last Sunday. I'm out of this one. I'm say, no, that's not true. You can still engage. We still want you to participate. It'll just be 21 days if you start tomorrow and join us for this. And uh, if you want to go online, you can watch Pastor Mark. He did a wonderful job of unpacking that. Uh, I just I'm not going to tell you what I chose to fast from, but I'll just tell you this: I've been doing a lot of praying this week. That's what it comes down to. Because what we've asked you to do is take that thing you're fasting from. Something that may have a hold in your life in some way. <clears throat> something that you know is out of balance or something that may be slightly addictive and that you would give it up for 28 days and then what you would usually, the energy you used to engage in that, that you would spend that time talking to God, praying to him, not just about your life, but about our church. So collectively, we're all praying, God, show our church what you want it to be and what you want it to do in the next decade of our existence. That's something we're doing together, synergy around this. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about gathering together. So here's what I want to ask you to help me out. Okay, just help me out a little bit. I ask you to close your eyes. Some of you are going, they're already closed. (laughs) No, close your eyes for just a minute. Okay, close your eyes. Now, just close your eyes and just trust me on this. Nobody's going to pounce on you. Just close your eyes for just a minute. And I'm going to ask you this. What comes to your mind when I say the word church? What comes to your mind? Just think about it. What comes to my mind? What image comes? What picture did I see? Or some of you may say, what feeling did I feel when he just said the word church? Think about that a minute. Okay, go ahead and open your eyes. And if you would turn to the person next to you and tell them what did you see or what did you feel when he said the word church, go ahead and do that now, if you would. <laughs> now, some of you, and the immediate thing that came to your mind was a building, right? Because yeah, we all associate church with a building, right? But some of us, when we thought of the word church, right there, we thought of a service. So. I'm going to church means I'm going to go to a service. Or some of us might thought, well, when I think of the word church, I'm thinking of a program, some way, something that the church does to help me, something that I can get involved with, that I can be part of. And some of you, when it got to that feeling part, when I said the word church, for some of you, it was like prickly at that moment. Some of you are here maybe for the first time in church, or maybe the first time in a long time, and maybe part of that reason is, is that a church hurt you somewhere along in the past, or you didn't feel accepted, or you felt rejected in some way. And so when you heard, heard the word church, it brought up a feeling of, I felt rejected, uh, kind of a negative feeling. And, and so, and I just want to apologize for the church, if that is the case in your life, that there was a church that would do that to you and make you feel that way. What I want to do is draw us to the idea of what the church is. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. Uh, the church is the people who come. The church is the people who are engaged. That is the church. The church is not a program. The church is an organism, not an organization, made up of the people who belong there. So every local church is unique because it's made up of the people who are connected there. Now I want to give you an example. First, I want to just see two pictures of the church. One is the church could be a bowl of marbles. And you know what? It looks like it could be a church, right? Everybody's gathered together. There's a boundary, and they're all held in, and they seem to be in some kind of order inside there. But the problem with a bowl of marbles is is that if you ever shake a bowl of marbles like that, you shake it, and they just kind of jostle against each other. Uh, The problem with marbles is that they are individual, that they never do connect to each other. You shake them around, and they move around, and they're not connected in any way. And they're isolated, actually. They may be in a group, but they're still alone. And for some of us, even, come to church, we are still, like, viewing it as a bowl of marbles. As we come and we're sitting in a chair and we're here, but we're kind of isolating ourselves and we're trying to stay in our own space. And I just want to say that's okay for a while, but that's not okay for the long term. Is that He wants us to be more than a bowl of marbles. Here's the picture of the church I want to give us today. The picture of the church is a bunch of grapes, We're a bunch of grapes gathered together and that we're organic is that we're growing and we're jostling next to each other and we're all part of the same organism and but yet we're all connected to the same vine connected to that same vine, Jesus Christ. So the church is those who are connected to Jesus Christ, gathered together in a bunch, a bunch. So that's what we're doing right here, is we're gathered together in a bunch, and they can be b- large bunches, they can be small bunches, but that's the picture of the church. It's a community where all the people, all the members live in touch and contact with one another. You aren't just an individual marble in a bowl. We're all bunched together to be in relationship. According to the New Testament, the church, as I said, is not an organization, it's an organism, and it exists for one another. We exist for one another. We come together in relationship, and we do what we do to benefit not just me, but each other, to benefit one another. Now, that has huge implications when it comes to thinking about church, about my wants, my needs, my desires, my preferences, all those kinds of things that can get kind of confusing and mixed up in this whole thing. And the question is, if I'm part of a bunch, if I'm part of a whole, if I'm part of a collective, am I willing to put aside my own needs, my own wants, my own preferences for the best of the whole and the best of the mission and the vision of the particular local body that God put me part of? And so we're going to look at that today Am I willing to do that so I can be part of this whole? Now, what I want to do is look at Hebrews chapter 10, and the reason I'm moved all the way back into verse 19 is to give us context about the church and belonging to a church, but also because we're going to move in just a few moments to have communion together. And these verses are, talk so much about what Jesus Christ has done for us to set us free and to bring us into relationship and connection with God uh, and to cleanse us. And so that's just a helpful way for us to be thinking about communion as well. So here we go, it's verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, there again is that family word, talking to the, um, and by the way, that family means he's writing to those who know Jesus Christ, to those who know him and are following him, so Christ's followers. We can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain, I'm going to talk about this in a little while, through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have such a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who rules over God's house, because Jesus is our great high priest because of what he's done, let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Uh, That last part, Kimberly and I were talking about this yesterday, The day of his returning is drawing near. And in all the things that I read today, other than the fact of what Jesus has done for us, the the thing that we can hold on today that I believe can allow us to face anything that comes our way is our belief that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And Jesus has promised that he will come again and take his people to be with him. Now, in those verses, though, there are three benefits that we can know when we gather together. And so I want to share those with you a little bit to kind of you know, give you the idea of why it's important that we would gather together. And the first is this. When we gather together, we encounter God. When we gather together, we encounter God. On the back side of your notes, I heard the paper's rustling, so you're already there. We encounter God. Verse 22a, chapter 10. Let us go right into the presence of God. So he's saying, "Whoa!" Because of what Jesus has done. Now let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts. So as I'm going to come with that, I'm going to come uh, honestly. I'm going to have integrity. I'm going to come sincerely. I'm going to pursue with passion, fully trusting Him. Now at our church, we talk a lot. About encountering God. We talk a lot about who God is and having experiences with Him and moving to this place where we have an encounter with Him because we know that as we encounter Him that our lives are changed and that we're actually made more like Him. So we sing songs about God. We sing songs about drawing us into intimacy with Him and knowing Him. And we have moments that we create where we experience Him because we want to encounter God together. We want to experience His presence together as a church. Now, to the audience, though, that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, he was writing to Old Testament Jews who had just come to their new faith in Christ. So a lot of the people who'd be reading this were still Old Testament Jews at this point that he was writing to. And that was what I just described to you, what we do, that was not their experience. That was not their experience in any way. Just a little background here and the, the, it talks about the most holy place there. Well, the most holy place was this kind of box-like room in the center of the Jewish temple. And inside of that box-like room, behind this big draped curtain, was housed the Ark of the Covenant. If you understand the Old Testament and you read the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, well, every time it was there, it represented God's presence was with them. And David, you know, is in the Old Testament, you read that where um, Saul took the Ark of the Covenant away, and then it was captured by the Philistines simply because he thought, if I have the Ark of the Covenant, that means that God is present with me. So that was what that represented. This is the place where you would encounter God, but it was separated by this big curtain, this room from everybody else, except one day a year, the high priest was designated, would go through a rite of purification on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, and the high priest would go through the curtain And go into this room one day a year and offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. Now, the high priest would go through these rites of purification to make sure that the high priest could be as pure as possible because he's entering into the place where God is, the most holy place that there was. And um, so what they would do is they realized that if he wasn't pure and that he would actually be killed, and he went in there, that he would actually die. So what they would do is they would take the high priest, and they would tie a rope around his waist before he would go into this, you know, place, holy place. Can you imagine being the high priest? (laughs) Oh man, that's not my, it's his turn, his turn, come on up here. And they're putting this rope around him, and they're sending him to this most holy place, and he's thinking, I could die in here. Okay, so he goes in, and literally, if he did die, no one else was going to go in there to get him, and so they would use the rope, and they would drag him back out. Now, I'm thinking about this. Did, did any of you, be th- when you, before you came to church today, were you wondering, will this be my day? <laughs> no, probably not. Probably weren't thinking about that, anything like that, but some of you, I've heard you say this before, and I actually said this about my life, There was a time when you walked into a church, you wondered if everything, you know, the roof would cave in because it had been that long and because of some of the things you had done. Well, that's not the case. That's not what we're talking about here. But what we know is this, that was the Old Testament way to encounter God one person once a year, not consistently, and no one else got to. Except on occasion, God would appear and he would show himself to people on rare occasion. But in Matthew 27, you just might write that reference down so you can read it later. In Matthew 27, it talks about Jesus being our great high priest. And as Jesus breathed his last breath, that curtain that we're talking about here that was separating all the people from God's presence, it says that it was ripped in two from the top to the bottom. It was ripped in two. It was ripped in two as Jesus died by him. It was ripped by Jesus from top to bottom as he died. And what that represented, what that showed is, is the dividing wall, the curtain that was dividing all mankind from God was ripped open and that anyone who said yes to Jesus because of what he had done now has direct access to God and can encounter him at any time and everywhere. Oh, it's just awesome. And when we gather together... We come as God's people, and we come and we encounter him here. We encounter him together. There's no more hostility, no more separation. We come and we're right with him in his presence. Now, I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about, okay, when I go to church, and for me, you know, I I get here really early, so I guess it's not fair to think about what I do. Uh, But I was thinking, oh, what about the people who are coming to Twin Cities today? When they were coming today, uh, were they, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, I just can't wait to get to this place I'm going to today because I get to encounter God? Or were they thinking, okay, get the car, kids. We're going to go to church. Yeah, shut up and be happy. Let's get out there to church. (laughs) Let's get on there because we need to get there to go to church because we have to get this thing over because we can go to our Super Bowl party this afternoon. Uh, what was in our mind? What was in your mind? Did last night you go to bed early so that when the alarm clock went up this morning, you woke up refreshed and rested so that you could get up? So you can say, oh, I just can't wait. In fact, if I have another espresso shot, I think I'll be ready to go and encounter God today. Think about the Super Bowl. Think about this. Think about people who, for a year now, have been saving money, They got tickets. Maybe they took their 10 friends as the commercial shows on TV and they took their friends with them. And so they got there. They bought airline tickets. They've designed this whole week to be about their Super Bowl, everything around the Super Bowl experience. And they got there. They partied. They ate. They went to football excursions and they went to bed early on Saturday night so that when that alarm clock rang, they could be ready so they could get there way before the Super Bowl started, way before even anybody got there because they wanted the experience from the top to the bottom all the way through and you can't make them leave. They're there for the whole time all the way through the post game, all the way through the awards and they couldn't wait. Now, is that the way you approach church this Sunday? <laughs> Honestly? I'd say I'm just going to be, I understand. I know what it's like. Probably not. But what God says is that's how I want you to come to my house. And in fact, I wish we could do it all over. We could all go home we all re we could come back, and we could come ready to encounter Him. And that's what I want to invite you to do every time we gather, that you would come. No, it's not about church. It's about an opportunity to encounter God, the Holy God, and experience Him. We get to do that together. Okay, second idea is this. I love it too. Let's go on. Second idea is this. When we gather together, we embrace hope. We embrace hope. Now, verse 23 let us hold, and you would just circle this word tightly, if you would. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now, if you look at this from the flip side, what you understand by what the writer is saying here is that hope is not something that's easy to hang on to. That's what you see. Hope is not something that's easy to hang on to. In fact, hope can actually slip through my fingers. And circumstances can come, and they can come over me, and life doesn't go in the way I'd want it to go, and I'm having difficulty, and I'm having pain, and I'm having, you know, marriage struggles, or I'm having relational struggles, or I'm having career struggles, my 401k is depleted. What am I going to do? And easily, I'm listening to the news that's playing, and my hope can slip away. And what he's saying here is that when we come together, it's an opportunity for us to embrace hope. Embrace hope. Now the word tightly, it means to this. It means this. It means to lock our minds on. It means to lock our minds on. So I'm locking my mind on truth. I'm locking my mind, as he says here, on God's promises. So I'm locking my mind on those, and those Allow me to have hope to face the circumstances that I'm having in life. We are people of hope because we can trust that God keeps his promises. He keeps His promises. So what we do is we allow, every time we gather together, whether it's in a big setting like this or whether it's in a community group, we say, hey, we want to make sure that at some point we're talking about God and His promises. We're singing songs about God and His promises. We're teaching about God and His promises because we know that everybody that walks into this place, not everybody, that many people walk into this place need hope. And they're here because they need hope. That's what I asked this morning how many of you, when you walked in these doors today, would you be willing to say right now with me? Say, you know what? I came here because I need hope. Would you raise your hand with me? Just raise it and keep it up. It's just a huge, huge number of us. Say, when I came here today, I came needing hope. And just because I I just think that this is a moment we can all embrace, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray for all of us who say we need hope. God, I thank you so much for your promises. I thank you for the promise that you said that uh, in Christ Jesus all things are possible. That those who lean on you, that you will keep upright and you will keep in perfect peace. That nothing can come against us that will separate us from Christ. That you take all things that come against us and you work them for your good that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, I pray for all of us in the room who raised their hands. Said, I came here needing hope. That right now we would embrace it. We would grasp it. We would hold on to it. And it's not just hope we're hanging on to. It's you, God, and your promises. And I just ask that you keep us strong as we walk out into our week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the third benefit that I want to share, the third benefit that we can know when we gather together, why it's so important for us to gather together, is that we gather together, we encourage action. We encourage action. I'm going to read verse 24 and I'm going to ask you to kind of circle and underline and highlight some words as I go through this because I want to help you understand what they mean, okay? So the first is this. Let us think. Circle that. Let us think. Let us think to motivate of ways to motivate. Underline that, motivate. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You might just underline that whole phrase. Acts of love and good works. Now, when I read that verse, it says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another. I was thinking about what's going to happen this afternoon, and what happens before a pre-game at an NFL football game, is that they gather together in a huddle, and they motivate themselves to go out to win the game. So I went out to NFL.com and downloaded this video, our team did, and I want to show you some of the scenes of NFL teams motivating themselves to win the game. Let's watch this we wouldn't want to be nowhere else doing nothing else We're right here right now you can't feel there's something wrong with you dog tonight i know it's nasty tonight i know it's dirty this moment we won't have it no other way man this hour it ain't no doggone tomorrow fellas as well win. Well that's a motivational speech right yeah, now. Is. Huh? Same, same every week. Same every week. Hey, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. All you can do is give your best, all right? Yeah. Showtime, baby. <laughs> oh, you know what? I played football in high school. When I watched that, it just makes me want to go knock somebody down, okay? <laughs> I got all testosterone up and those kinds of things. Well, that's what the he- writer of Hebrews is saying. The church should do when we gather together. It should jack us up. In fact, he said, let us think of ways to motivate one another. When he says, let us think, what he's saying here is that when you come to this gathering, your focus is not always on you and what you need, but your focus. He says, let us think of one another, how to motivate one another. So you come and you think, how can I motivate the people who are part of my bunch of grapes, of this bunch, who are part of this church? So you think about the people in your rows. You think about the people you know, maybe in your community group, the people that you've read a prayer request about, and you're thinking, as I come, as I'm here, how can God use me to inspire and motivate and pray for this other person? So what you realize is church is not just about me, but church is about what I can give to other people. And how can I motivate them? How can I pray for them? And that word motivate, in some translations, it actually uses the word spur. S-P-U-R, spur. You guys know what a spur is, right? A spur is what a cowboy wears (laughs) on his boots, and he uses it to spur the horse to motivate it, right? He moves it. So what does a spur do? It creates pain, (laughs) It creates pain, okay? That's what it does. The word actually means irritate, or it can actually mean confront, to confront somebody else. So I'm going to spur somebody else on. And what he's saying here, he's saying as we gather together, there are times when I'm not just thinking about me, but I actually take my eyes off of myself, and there's a brother or a sister who needs spurring on. And there's a time when it's okay for me to irritate someone else. Now, I'm not saying it's okay for me to be irritating, okay? Now, some of you are going, I think I just discovered my spiritual gift. (laughs) (laughs) I have the gift of irritation. (laughs) Oh, but that's not, it's not something we do, but he's saying confront, and so I need to belong. I need to gather because you know what? I just got to tell you, I can gloss over my own sin. Can you? I can gloss over my own weakness. I can gloss over my own flat sides. And because I'm so good at glossing, I need somebody else to kind of hold me accountable and to speak truth into my life. And so I just want to ask you, where do you go where people can speak truth to you? Now, it's not going to happen in a setting like this. You know, this is a big group, but we also talk about we need to gather together in community groups and where we have a group of people who know us who can speak that truth into our lives. So he calls us to motivate. Then he says, I want you to act in love. Now, when he says act in love, he's saying, I want you, when you gather together, once again, this is not just about you, but now I want you to act. And that action is that you would also be thinking of people you can help. And so love would be compassion. How can I, you know, show compassion to other, other people? And then good works is, what can I do to help somebody else? That's why our community groups have this whole philosophy that we are God's group in our community, in our neighborhood, to reach into our neighborhoods so that we can take love and compassion. So we kind of structure it that way, that that's what we're going to do. But also, that's why as a church family, we have big events, we have big emphases, like our SOS projects. Once again, coming up soon, we're going to do these again. We go out to our schools together and serve because we want to share And we're motivated to do that because we came together and God used us in that way. Now, what I want to do is I want you to look at this next phrase there uh, and kind of help us to, I want to, I I don't know if this has been motivational enough yet. I want to take it to another level here about motivating why it's important for us to get together. So I want to read this sentence and I want you to fill it in. Gathering together is not so much about filling a seat as it is about entering a moment. So we got lots of great comfortable chairs here, lots of great seats here, and you can come here, and it's not about filling a seat. Church is not about filling a seat. You can fill a seat for a while, but eventually God wants you to be looking at this as another thing. It's about entering a moment, entering a moment. And here's the moment. It's the possibility of encountering God. It's the possibility of embracing hope, and it's the possibility of encouraging other people but here's what I want to share with you. This is the other level, is that every time God's people gathers, there's an opportunity for Him to speak something to you that He's never spoken before and may never speak again. This is what can happen. This is the possibility. When I'm willing to say, I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm just going to let go of the outcome, but I know I need to be there because this may be the day that God has something to say to me that he's never said before and he may never say again. And I'm not going to stay home today. I'm not going to sleep in today. I'm not going to go to the lake. I'm not going to go over here. I'm going to make sure that I'm here because this is the opportunity God wants to speak to me. And he calls us to that. And that's the anticipation of what he wants to do when we gather together. Now look at what it says in verse 25. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. And when we neglect our meeting together, we're going to miss out on what God's planned for that moment. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Now, as we look at these five G's, every one of them is going to come with how we're going to do this as a church. And so you see there it says, we gather together by celebrating at weekend services. We want you to be here as often as possible. There's nobody taking roll. It's like the rule here. It's a rhythm that we're asking you to engage in, because this is where God, we've just ordained services where God can move and work. We've asked you to get participating in a small group, a community group, because that's where we gather together. And by engaging in authentic friendships, where you're engaging with somebody else for a spiritual friendship, where you can come together and speak truth into each other's lives. Now we're going to move this time of communion. I'm going to go back and just read verse 22 of chapter 10. And just remind us why we're having communion today and what, what it really means is God's, what he did for us through Christ. He says, Now, because of what Christ has done, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So as we talked about today, as we've read today, it took the blood of Jesus, it took his death, To break down the dividing wall between mankind and God. And when that wall was divided, every person who said yes to Jesus Christ for what he did for them on the cross was ushered in to God's family. Ushered in to God's family. And so as we come to this time of communion, it's for us to remember what jesus has done for us i'm asking you to bow your heads our ushers are going to move into place as they move into place they're going to go ahead and grab their trays so they can be ready and then i'm going to pray and then we'll serve father i thank you that you sent jesus and i thank you that because of jesus that we can know you and i know that not everyone in the room said has ever said yes to you before and uh, i just want to give them an opportunity now to, to be entered into ushered into your presence god And you say yes to Jesus. You say, yes, Jesus. I accept what you did for me on the cross. I'm going to let you know that I've blown it, that I've sinned, I know that. And I want to receive forgiveness. And I ask you, if you would, to make me clean. And I want to live the rest of my life for you. And for the rest of us, as we have this moment of communion, I, I pray that right now is a moment for us to just remember Jesus and what he did for us.